Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the 100 Straight Podcast. Today, Nick and I are joined by Bishop Bob Kaplinger from Ohio. He's the Ohio State Delegate and the 2022 Ohio State Singles Champion. Bob, how are you doing today? I'm fine. How are you, Jack? I'm doing good. Nick, do you want to go ahead and get us started? Uh, Yeah. Uh, Just starting us off here, can you tell us how you got started shooting, and did you have a mentor whenever you started? Uh, yeah, when I started, it was not actually shooting. Uh, my father, my dad, he, uh, he was an avid Calcutta shooter locally here in Southern Ohio. And there were several clubs back in the day. And I'm talking like back in the sixties when I was six, seven, eight years old and two of his buddies started a gun club in a little town called beaver ohio and uh, him and his buddies two buddies ran the gun club my mom cooked in the kitchen and they would hold uh, uh every saturday night just a regular calcutta and then in the winter time there would be card shoots so i was exposed to that type of atmosphere at a pretty early young age and actually worked at the gun club during the card shoots. I was the kid that took the cards down, stapled them to the pattern board and jumped in a little building to get protected. And when I heard a gunshot go off, I'd go out and change the cards (laughs) at eight years old. I feel like if you'd done that today, they'd probably put your folks in jail. (laughs) Yeah, probably so. Uh, What was your first uh, gun you started with and then what did you go to as your first high-end track so to speak i started off with my dad's model 12 i think a lot of people did um, i would borrow it from him when i was a teenager and go to a local gun club and shoot calcuttas and practices and then the first high-end gun that i bought i guess would have probably been a parazi tm1 and I bought it off of a local guy, a used TM1. It wasn't much. It was pretty rickety and loose, and but it did shoot. And uh, that's how I got hooked on Parazi. And I pretty well stayed Parazi the rest of my shooting career. Still shoot one today. That TM1 was probably daylight dark difference for that Model 12, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The Model 12 would, as they say, kick the taste out of your mouth. <laughs> well, Bob, you're talking about getting your start shooting Calcuttas and stuff. And do you think, you know, shooting them from the beginning and being in those kind of, I, I don't know if you say high pressure situations, but I know, you know, a lot can be on the line at those type of shoots. So do you think shooting those growing up kind of helped you prepare and prepare your nerves and everything for eventually shooting off in some of the big shoot offs like you obviously shot in absolutely i think so there's nothing really to prepare yourself other than just experience in a major shoot off at a major shoot uh the first time that i was in any kind of a shoot off at a major shoot i was nervous beyond belief and uh I hope it didn't show with the people that was watching, but <laughs> it could have. And, uh, but I enjoyed it. Uh, you had to, that's the main thing that I've always tried to teach myself is get your nerves in check 
and focus on what you're doing and, uh, you know, follow through with it. And eventually it'll come. If you wind up at the shoot off enough times, eventually you're going to succeed at it. Yeah. Well, that obviously showed this past year at Ohio and kind of, I guess, keeping with the theme a little bit, could you kind of tell us what that day was like winning the Ohio state singles? Well, <clears throat> that's always been a bucket list of mine to win my own state singles championship. I've broke several 200s in that event, but I never was able to finish out. And one particular time, I remember I had broke 200 and missed out on the first 25 of the shoot-off and wound up not even placing in it. And I thought, boy, how can that happen when you break 200 and you don't even place in it? And that's been several years ago. And But since then, that was probably the greatest feeling that I've ever had by winning it. I actually couldn't believe it. When it came down to me and just one other person shooting off last year for the singles championship, when we walked out on the line, I thought, all you got to do is keep it together, focus, keep your head on the gun, and do what you do. And it really surprised me when uh, the person that I was shooting off with missed. And I think there was like, um, it was less than 10 targets to go. And I just kept telling myself, one target at a time. Don't count your chickens till they're hatched. And it worked out. It really worked out well. Probably the greatest feeling I've ever had. Would you say there's like a specific, like what is your mindset? to keep your mind on track for so long? Cause I know whenever I'm shooting singles, my mind wanders all over the place and everything. Is there anything specific that you think about while you're up there shooting singles? I try to shoot on just focusing on the target. Uh, if my mind wanders on something else, I try to do it in between shots and here recently something that I've done that really helped out in that, in that aspect is I started listening to music couple years ago i started doing that a friend of mine austin jacobs recommended it to me and uh, i started i tried it two years ago liked it and even though that music's playing in the background in your in your mind you're still thinking about shooting and watching for the target and it keeps my mind from wandering on other things you know when you're an adult a lot of things are going on in your life and you can't help but think about other things that are going on other than trap shooting. And that happens a lot of times on the line. Well, with listening to music, it's, uh, it's kind of helped in that matter. I don't think about day-to-day -day things or what I've got to do after the shoot's over with, or, you know, things like that. When I'm Funny. in between, when I'm in between shots, I just kind of, listen to the music and uh and then when it comes my turn i try to focus on the target like i said keep my head down and follow through kind of a funny story about the music kidding and all that he uh he decided he was going to start shooting with music but he didn't want to listen to music he wanted to listen to like rainfall and wind blowing just some kind of weird odd stuff and he said it he yeah. done really good until one day the sun was shining and he was listening to rain and it said it messed him all up. <laughs> <laughs> you just like got to know to Kenny. He's real temperamental anyway. Yeah, I know Kenny. 
I like to listen to classic rock, but there's some songs you don't want to listen to. ACDC will get, get you revved up way too much. <laughs> I'd say Freebird would probably be a long song to have to. Oh, yeah. Yep. Freebird would <laughs> be a good song. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you but mentioned the- earlier that you had shot Parazis for the majority of your shooting career. Could you kind of tell us what gun you're shooting now and like the, if it's an unsingle or top single and things like that? Currently, it is an MX 10 and it's a top single. And it's the uh, uh, first version of the MX-10 that came out. In other words, it's got a steel rib instead of an aluminum rib on it. Uh, I think them guns came out. I'm not sure exactly what year they came out, but it's the first version. The first version of the MX-10 was steel ribs. And uh, after that, they went to aluminum ribs. You don't see too many of them out there but i had a chance to uh buy this gun and uh it's been a project ever since i've had it i've been shooting the same gun for probably 15 16 17 years now and i've made some changes to it i uh i put um it's had barrel work it's got wilkinson barrel on it and uh that really improves the pattern i I never was a big fan years ago when I first started shooting. I heard these guys talk about sending their barrels off to have uh, barrel work done by Kenny Eisner, Tommy Wilkinson, all these guys, and spending this big money to have that done. And I decided I was going to have it done, so I did. And I went down and spent all day to have this done, and... It made a believer out of me. You could literally see the pattern form each time that you shot the gun and he brought it in and he looked at the pattern paper. You could see the actual pattern come into that 30-inch circle. So that made a believer out of me. And uh, when we first started and you seen what the pattern looked like on paper, well, there was all kinds of holes for the target to get through on your pattern. And then uh, as the day progressed and he worked on the barrel and choked it, it made a, a tremendous difference in it. So I'm a firm believer in that. And now, then you moved go on. The, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, then I moved on to a ProSoft stock custom fit. And uh, that make, that makes all the difference in the world. If the gun fits you, then, and if it's shooting where you're looking, you've got a way better chance than shooting a gun that you're not sure where it's shooting. Or if you're trying to stay under a target or come up into a target, if the gun shoots where you're looking, that's the key. And also the fit. Did you go with the fixed chokes on the Wilkerson barrels or did, did you get uh, choke tips with it? No, they're fixed chokes. What, it's cho- got, what choke? Uh, it's uh, uh, 34 thousandths. It's got a 742 bore with 34 thousandths choke restriction. Did you get it on your over and unders too? No, my over and unders, I actually made a combo out of this gun. When I first bought it, it was a top single only. And then I bought a set of barrels for it and fitted it to the receiver 
and found out real fast that I didn't like the combo situation. So I ended up buying a MX2000 for my double shooting only, and it's choke tubed. And that way I set the, I set my single top single uh, MX10 for handicapping singles. And then I shoot the MX2000 on doubles. That way I don't move any adjustments. I couldn't tell you the last time I moved an adjustment on either of my guns since I've owned them. Do you feel that gives you kind of a disadvantage where you have to shoot two different guns or do you really not pay that much attention to it? No, they're real similar. I mean, the receivers are similar. The only difference is the barrel lengths and the over and under versus a single barrel. They both got adjustable ribs. Uh, the point of impact on my doubles gun is a lot lower than the point of impact on my top single, but the, I would, I would, I would set it that way anyway, when it was a combo gun, I would have to lower my comb to match, you know, the shooting height that I wanted on my doubles. And do you shoot top barrel first on the doubles or do you go no, with the bottom barrel? I shoot the bottom barrel first and then the top. A Parazzi, by it having um, welded side ribs on the over and under barrels, you can't do a lot with, you know, like a Kohler has or a Kragoff, where you change the front hanger to make the bottom barrel shoot higher. A Parazzi has welded ribs on the, each side of it, so pretty much wherever you set the point of impact on the rib and the comb, both barrels are going to shoot that way. A way to eliminate that is have choke work done on the bottom barrel. And guys like Tommy Wilkinson and uh, the Eisners up there, they can bore that bottom choke to shoot higher than the top barrel. Because my bottom barrel is probably 15 inches high. The top barrel shoots about five to six inches high on the over and under. And that seems to have worked out really well with me. When I went to that combination is when I finally got my grand slam and I started breaking 99s and a few hundreds with it and doubles. Well, do you have a ProSoft on your MX2000 for doubles too? No. And I thought about purchasing one for it, but I talked to some of the older guys that had ProSoft for years. And they would always on their, if they shot a combination gun that had a ProSoft, they would, they would set up the ProSoft to work like it normally would on, it, on the single barrel for handicap and singles, but they'd always try to tighten up that mechanism or the rebounding recoil mechanism on the ProSoft when they shot doubles. And I always took that advice, so I just I shoot a straight stock on the MX2000 for doubles, no movement at all on it. What, well, what made you What made you pick the ProSoft off the, over the other options as far as custom gun stock work goes? I was I wanted to get a custom stock fitted to me, and just shooting with friends of mine that had them, talking with them. They kind of talked me into, I actually went, uh, it was at uh, Middletown, uh, Rod's Custom Stocks. He was starting to uh, sell the ProSoft 
off for uh, ProSoft. He was going to become a dealer, and that was the first year. And I went, and I knew Rod pretty well. Talked to him about it. Uh, I happened to make the All-American team that year, and they were offering a special for All-Americans, a little bit cheaper price than full price. And uh, Rod had a demo stock here, and I put it on the gun, done really well at Middletown with it. So uh, I decided to get one, and uh, he fitted me, placed the order. That was the fall shoot in Middletown and received the stock uh, the following year, I think, for the spring shoot at Middletown. So it took six months to make the stock. I got it in the roughed-out form, shot it all summer, and then sent it back in the fall to Phil Sims at ProSoft, and he finished it for me, and I got it back the following spring and have loved it ever since. Uh, Bob, kind of transitioning away from the shooting aspect of it, you're the delegate for the state of Ohio, so could you kind of tell us some of your responsibilities that you got with that role? I'm not the true delegate. I'm the first alternate delegate for the state of Ohio. Mike Blair is the um, delegate for the state of Ohio. But Mike and I work in conjunction with any issues that come up uh, for ATA shooters or any kind of ATA matters. Uh, for the state of Ohio, if there's any 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 shooter in the state of Ohio that has a grievance or anything like that with the ATA or any issues that come up during the shoot while we're there, uh, we try to handle that matter accordingly. And it's a, it's a great honor to do that. I'm, I'm very proud to do that. Also, I'm a uh, board member for the OSTA have been for 10 years, and that's a great honor to be on that board for the Ohio State Trap Shooting Association. Uh, speaking of the board, you being on the board, what is what is the secret to making such a big shoot like Ohio so successful? Uh, it takes a lot of money, Nick. <laughs> we <laughs> spend a thing. lot. Yeah, we spend a lot of money towards that shoot. We try to come up with ideas and ways that uh, intrigue and make it uh, attractive for shooters to come to Ohio. Of course, the Cardinal Center is one of the biggest things that attract shooters. That's probably one of the, I think, the nicest facility in the country. And uh, Jack Fishburn, rest in peace, God bless him. He built a, a wonderful, wonderful uh, shooting facility there. And he built it for everybody, not just for the people of the state of Ohio. His biggest passion was to bring everybody from all over, all over the world there to shoot. And they have. I mean, you know, we've had people from Australia there shooting and at the Ohio State shoot, uh, just from all different countries. I've met people from all over the world at the Cardinal Center shooting. And uh, we're very fortunate as a board for the Ohio State to have a facility like that. And, you know, it goes hand in hand with uh, the Cardinal Center and the OSTA. We do a lot for the Cardinal. The Cardinal does a lot for us. And it's just a, it's a good marriage. And uh, I hope it continues. 
that's why I enjoy sitting on the board. Uh, I want to do everything I can to make sure that this goes on for years down the road for the young shooters that's coming up. Uh, we had Jim Triner on here a couple episodes ago and uh, to talk about the shot curtains and stuff. Uh, what do you have? What do you think about the shot curtain? And do you think it's effective to catching the shot? And is it pretty good revenue going back to the club and everything from where you get the shot from it? It is. It, uh, I don't know the actual numbers, but I know the Cardinal Center is very pleased with the amount of shot that it's caught. And depending on what lead prices are, depends on how much they get out of it. But still, you know, any, any little thing or big thing is still a profit to them. The curtains do a good job. They catch the shot. Uh, the year I went through as the OSTA president was the first year for the curtain. And a lot of people during or towards the end of the state shoot came up and uh, were bragging on how well they liked the curtain. It, uh, it made every bank at the Cardinal Center the same. There wasn't a bad bank. Nick, you probably know that uh, when the Cardinal Center first opened up, nobody wanted to shoot on bank five, six, or seven because it was close to the tree area. Well, after the curtain went up, that eliminated that problem. And everybody wanted to shoot five, six, and seven because that was closest to the central entry building. So the curtain was a, a, a big, it was a, it was a large asset to the Cardinal Center as far as catching the shot, being able to resell the lead and evening out the field. There's a lot, there's some controversy about the, the curtains. Uh, there's people that don't like them, but the majority of the people I think do like it. And me, myself, I do like the curtains as well. Yeah, I know whenever I came there a lot, it was a lot of 10 and 11, 12. I shot on them a lot. Then on Saturday, yep. it was always 4 and 10 or 10 and 4. There was yep. no, no negotiating. That's where it had to be. I never <laughs> did get to shoot down on the east end that much. Right. Uh, or I guess that would be the west end. Does it face south? It north? faces north. Okay, so yeah. So I never really shot much on the east end much. Only right. on the Saturday when I shot bank four, but. It is a really good place to shoot. Jack, I don't know if you've ever been, but it's probably one of the premier places to shoot in the country, in my opinion. Yeah, I, the first year I ever shot trap period, 2018, I, I didn't shoot ATA. Well, I, I barely shot ATA, but I didn't really competitively shoot ATA. And uh, we shot the SCTP Nationals there and shot like 100 singles in the pouring down rain. And actually... It was before they had the curtain up. Like, they were just talking about building the curtain. But I haven't been back. You know, I, I'd like to go back and shoot the curtain. It's just the usually the timeline is what doesn't work out for us. It's a, it's a very nice facility. And I'll tell you another good facility, and I dearly love to shoot there, is Kentucky State Shoot, Nick. I think that... Uh, I don't think there's any better targets in the country than what Kentucky throws. You know, that seems to be a reoccurring theme for every guest that we have on here. And I promise it's not planned that way. That's just everybody's opinion. I know it may seem like we set it up that way, but 
just want to let y'all know that it's everybody's opinion. No, we're not paying anybody to say that or anything. No, you're not paying me to say that. I, I really enjoy it. Some of my best scores are out of the Kentucky State shoot. I just wish we had the facilities to accommodate the number of shooters we have, like an updated clubhouse and so on and so forth. But it's kind of hard to do anything whenever you're on state ground and everything. Yeah, yeah, you're kind of limited. Yeah. But still a great shoot. You guys do an awesome job down there. Um, kind of sticking with the shot curtain, do you feel like it's affected any of the attendance or the scores that's been shot at the Cardinal Center? I think so, to a degree. I don't know that it makes that much of a difference. A lot of people, you know, have come up to me and they've had some complaints about it. Um, never really said that they wouldn't come back, but they they didn't really care that much for it. And then you you know you see the you see them back the next year and year after that. Uh, just the experience of the Cardinal Center, I think, is what draws the crowds. Uh, where it's located in center, central Ohio helps out. Um, and they strategically, you know, after the Grand American is a Cardinal Classic shoot. And it's right after the Grand American. So they catch a lot of the East Coast shooters that travel to the Grand on their way back home for the Cardinal Classic. So... All those things in combination makes it a successful place. And the curtain, I think, is a big hit for 75, 80% of the shooters. They have an awful time, a lot of times in, in bad weather, windy weather, keeping it up. But hats off to the Cardinal Center. They've always maintained and spent the money and paid for the help to get it back up before each and every shoot. Well, kind of keeping with the theme of the shot curtain, it was kind of rumored last year or two years ago that y'all were thinking about switching to lime green targets on the curtain to kind of make the contrast a little better. Is that something y'all have ever thought about as the Ohio State board, Bob? We have, and we actually tested the lime green targets. We tested the orange dome targets and the all-orange targets. And as a board, and in conjunction with the Cardinal Center, everybody decided to go with the, the orange dome, black ring orange dome. And I think because of that, a lot of it was contingent on when you shoot the Grand and you shoot any other state shoot, you're shooting black ring targets. So they're kind of staying in in uh, uh, in line with everybody else. the The green targets showed up okay on the curtain, but I don't know how they would have showed up under the lights on the curtain on a shoot off. That was the that was the big fear. They would have looked like little trash can lids going out through there. We throw them sometimes at my club in the dark. And I mean, it's, we're shooting into the sky. So it pretty much be like shooting into a curtain. And I mean, they, like I said, it looks like their trash can lids going out there. They look so big. Don't they, Jack? Look, they look big, but that don't change the ability if I can break them at night or not. No, but it gives you a better, it gives you a better mindset. It gives you more 
uh, I don't know, how do I put this? It gives you more confidence that you'll be able to break it whenever it looks like you're shooting at a bigger target. Yeah. Well, my, you know, my opinion and a lot of other people on the board's opinion was, you know, if, if you get used to shooting a, a, an orange dome target with a black ring, it doesn't matter where you go. That's the presentation of the target. And that's what you're going to see. There was some discussion about uh, uh, shoot off targets, black ring under the lights. You're not going to see as much orange as an all orange target. But they have uh, thought about going to LED lighting for the shoot offs. It hasn't happened yet, but they are talking about LED lighting. And we all know we put LED lighting at our local club and it's like a difference of night and day. I believe you could turn them LED lights on on a sunny day and it gets brighter. Uh, I know California is the other shoot that has the shot curtain, one of the bigger shoots. Uh, do they throw an all orange, like top and bottom? Or do they, do you know what target they throw? I believe they still throw the orange dome with the black ring. Gotcha. I could. I know we talked to Dylan Tosh. He had been to the California State shoot, but I couldn't remember if we had ever talked about what exactly what kind of target they threw. If they threw the same one y'all did, or if they went with the orange top and the orange bottom. Uh huh. There was some discussion with the gun club manager out there in California before the curtain went up, and he had his recommendations. I didn't talk to him personally, but I know there was. Uh, um, people from the Cardinal center that talked to them before they put it up and took their recommendations of what worked best for them. Well, something I just thought of and still, I guess, kind of pertaining to the curtain. I haven't obviously been able to shoot on the curtain, but I shot at the diamond indoor trap range about a year ago and having that like same black background across the whole thing, kind of, uh, mess with my depth perception a little bit so have you noticed a lot of people like they're shooting across the curtain do you think that messes with maybe your depth perception of the target at all i think it would depend on the individual some people i i believe you know the old saying is you don't look at anything but look for the target uh i think it depends jack on the individual some people have a better depth per perception than others. I personally, when I'm shooting at the Cardinal, I try to focus just on the target and the target only. And I try to put all that other stuff out of my mind, whether it's a curtain or, you know, the gap below the curtain from the ground up or whatever. I, I try not to even think about that stuff, but yeah, I agree with you. I think, uh, there are people that have problems with, you know, having a solid, constant background with depth on their perception. So, yeah, I would say yes. Like I say, there's people out there that truly love the curtain, wouldn't wouldn't want to shoot anything else but. And there's people out there that uh, didn't didn't like the curtain. They claim that the curtain creates a, a target jump because of the wind, because the curtain blocks like wind in your face. 
it creates a vortex out there in front of it. I don't know that I believe that. Uh, I've went to other clubs that don't have a curtain and the targets are jumping around a little bit. I mean, if you've ever shot Middletown, Ohio, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of targets, you know, moving up and down on a windy day, just like any other gun club. And to me, that that's just the competition. As long as everybody shoots at the same target that I shoot, I'm perfectly happy with it. Have you ever went down to with Danny to On Ridge and shot any? No, I haven't been down there. Heard a lot of talk about it, but uh, a lot of good competition down there. Yeah, you need to go sometime. I've never been there. When the wind hasn't been blowing, that's the windiest place <laughs> I think I've ever seen. Well, I think Silver Dollar has that issue too. A lot of times, you know, there are a lot of windy targets down there as well. Yeah, most uh, people go down there just to get out of the cold. Yeah, yeah. But you know, there again, I always said, you know, if everybody's shooting the same target I'm shooting, then everybody's on an even playing field. Um. Kind of sticking with the Cardinal Center, is there any upcoming big plans for it or anything? Any updates? Uh, not that I'm aware of. We, as a board, we own the machines. The, uh, the Ohio State Trap Shooting Association owns the machines in the trap house. So we do the maintenance on those, and we do those regularly. We... Uh, we were having Tommy Neal and uh, Bobby Hubble going through all the machines every year, and they have trained the trap help for the Cardinal Center on the proper way to do it. So those guys are doing a fabulous job. They keep the traps up. They, they're going through once a year before even the Karen's Cup or the Buckeyes shoot at the start of the year. So the machines are in tip-top shape. Uh, of course, they always keep the grounds manicured, and there's always people there to help, and it's just a great facility, and uh, I hope it continues. I really do. In the, in the times that we're having right now, economical times with shell prices like they are and target prices like they are, and I just hope it continues for the younger generation to experience what we've experienced over the years. Well, earlier you mentioned shooting at Middletown, Ohio, and again, it's another place I haven't had the opportunity to shoot, but obviously it's got a pretty big reputation as a club, and we had Danny Ryan on here yesterday, and he was talking about it, and he said that's where he got his Grand Slam at. So if you don't mind, could you tell us a little bit more about Middletown and what it's like and everything? Middletown uh, is built in like a horseshoe shaped trap field in front of the club. Uh, I think there's tw 12 banks, 12 traps, I believe my memory serves me right. <laughs> but as you start in front of the, uh, clubhouse, of course you move to four different traps and a hunter bird event and you wind up shooting. Well, when you start off, you're shooting towards uh, the east. Early of the morning, you don't want to shoot there because the sun's directly in your eyes. And, and uh, it's usually noon or after before you can actually get a good look at the target. 
and there's always wind blowing there at Middletown that messes with the targets. And like I said, it's kind of built in a horseshoe shape. So if you wind up around the corner and going down towards 10, 11, and 12, you're kind of shooting towards the north and off to your left vision, peripheral vision, you can see the, the first traps down through there. So it is a little challenging. Uh, there again, like I say, everybody's shooting the same target. So, you know, the scores are what they are. I've shot horrible scores at Middletown, and I've shot excellent scores at Middletown. And I was there the day Danny broke his 100 handicap. I remember it well. And I'm thinking to myself when I hear that he broke a 100 handicap, I'm thinking, how in the world did he do that? <laughs> But he did, and you know the old saying, every dog has his day, and Danny had his day that day. Excellent people, though, at Middletown that run the gun club. It's a great camaraderie. Everybody that's there, you pretty much know, and uh, we just have a great time. We go, uh, my wife and I go twice a year. Uh, we go to the Mid-American in the spring, and usually the fall handicap in the, uh, in the fall look forward to it year after year well you also mentioned that you had your own grand slam didn't you yes sir i completed that and uh i think i got my 200 singles first i broke my 100 handicap in 2014 i believe at the cardinal center from the 27 in 2014 and then the last thing to complete was 100 doubles and I actually done that at the Cardinal as well. Um, it was in the 200, uh, the 200 doubles event at the Cardinal. And I actually came off the line with a 199 out of 200, but I broke the back 100 to complete my Grand Slam. And I think that was in 2017 or 2018. Yeah, that's not something you see very often. Finishing on your Grand Slam with doubles, typically yeah. more people, you know, finish it with the handicap. I broke a hundred handicap. I've got, I think I've got four on record, but only one from the 27. I used to go down to hog heaven down in Tennessee and I broke a hundred handicap from the 25 yard line down there one time. And then, uh, I can't remember where I broke my third one at or where it was at. It was before the Hulk heaven, but it was a lot closer yardage than the 27. It was just one of those days at the Cardinal from the 27. I mean, you know, I broke the first 25. I come off the line. I thought that was a good round. Got my shells, went down to the next trap, broke the next 25. And I thought, well, that's 50 straight. That's really good. That's the best you've ever done. And grabbed my shells and went down the line to the third trap and broke the next 25 for 75 straight. Then it started to set in. And I noticed that everybody I was shooting with on the squad, they wasn't talking to me. They wasn't coming around me. I guess they was giving me the, uh, the respect of you know, not bothering me or whatever, but that made me even more nervous. So I grabbed my shells, 
went to the last box, started in on them, felt really good, but I was nervous. And it's a funny story about how I broke the hunter target. A good friend of mine, Larry Smith, was shooting right in front of me. And I was 99 straight waiting on my turn to shoot my 100th target. And when Larry pulled up his gun, I heard a click. He put his gun down, looked at the shell, put it back in, pulled it back up, called for a target, another click. And I'm trying to stay focused. And I'm trying to really, you know, stay focused. And then I hear, hey, Bob. Hey, Bob. And I turn around. Larry said, there's something wrong with my gun. <laughs> and I thought to myself, really? <laughs> so I walk over and he, I hand him my gun and I take his gun. I pull the trigger. He's shooting a Parazzi, typical Parazzi. It broke a hammer spring. So I take his gun back to my shell bag and I change his hammer spring, give him his gun go back to the line Larry pulls up his gun shoots his target breaks it and then it's my turn for the hundredth target and I'm thinking oh boy here we go so when I called for the target I made sure I kept my head down I tried to do all the fundamentals like you're supposed to do and when I broke the target it split in half <laughs> so I did get the hunter straight but I didn't break up. I didn't break that last target like I broke the first ninety nine. But still, it was a break, and there again, it was uh, up to that point. That was the best day of my life. Yeah, well, I thought it was kind kind of funny. You mentioned that nobody on your squad was really saying anything to you, and in an effort to keep you less nervous, and that actually made you a little more nervous. And it's pretty funny because that's the same exact thing pretty much that Danny said happened to him when he was breaking the 100 at Middletown. Yeah. yeah, everybody's got the same perception on that. They think if they leave you alone and you stay focused, but really, in reality, I would rather have the same conversations that we always do from, from trap to trap. And, uh, you know, it's all about camaraderie and good friends and and good companionship and you know trap shooting's trap shooting's not life and death it's a game everybody wants to do their very best and it's an honor you know to be involved with the ATA and and shooting with the best in the world and and uh, being friends with these people but you know when it comes right down to it it's it's a game and if people look at it like that and it's not life and death i think you enjoy it a lot better well kind of building on to that you're talking about you know enjoying the shoot with your friends and having the camaraderie of your squad uh how important do you think it is having a a good squad a good squad of your friends to kind of help you with your shooting you know help you shoot better scores to me, it means everything. It's, it's, it's when you know the guys you're shooting with and you know their actions and you know what's going on with them, 
a lot of a lot of times when you get on a squad that you don't know anybody, you wonder what's going to happen if they're going to be fast, slow, uh, if they're going to flinch. Um, anything can happen with strangers. Now, from time to time, I like to get on a squad with strangers. It happens when you go to a shoot. If me and my wife go to a shoot, but my friends aren't going to be there, you wind up being on a squad, and you make new friends, and I look forward to that. But the majority of the time, it's important to shoot with uh, the guys that you shoot with for years, and that's what I've done for the past 10, 15 years. I shoot, I've shot with the same people. And uh, as time goes on, a lot of your friends pass on and you pick up new people and you make new friends. And that's what it's all about. Good camaraderie and, and friends that you meet along the way that are lifelong friends for the rest of your life. And that's what means more to me than anything. And, you know, it's something, it's a sport that me and my wife are involved in. She's more or less my mentor. She is my, she says she's my coach. She can stand behind the line and she can tell me exactly what I'm doing wrong. And uh, it's great for her and I. Our kids have grown up around trap shooting. Every vacation time that I ever took, usually the family wound up at the Ohio state shoot or one of the bigger shoots or something like that. And we just would take the camper and make a week out of it. And my kids are grown now out of the house and they still talk about how good a time they had at Vandalia or the Cardinal center or any of those places. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, you talking about that, that's something that it's, it's easy for to, take take for granted especially you know me it's easy to get caught up in your in your performance or your scores and really forget that in the end like you said it is just a game and you're supposed to be there to have fun and make friends and make memories and that kind of stuff exactly exactly and you know i've told young people that shoot today to start now find find an older gentleman go to your local gun club talk to the older older people at the gun club they've been there they've done it they've got the best wisdom and experience and and they can teach you things you can you can take bits and pieces from different people at these local gun clubs or even at the big shoots make friends with them and uh, they will they will tell you a lot uh, a lot of life experience in trap shooting that will help down the road for you that's what i did when i started out young i made friends with the older guys and uh from you know when you make friends with them they like i said they've been there and done that and they can they can teach you things that they've experienced the do's and don'ts well uh nick that's all the questions i've got have you got anything else you want to talk about uh yeah i really only have one question left um is there any advice you would give to a new shooter just starting out? Uh, basically, what I just said, um, the biggest thing is is gaining experience. When you're a new shooter and you're out there on the line, you're thinking about everything else but what you're supposed to think about, and that's keeping your head down, 
focus on the target, follow through on your on your angle shots, and and make it a good clean shot. If if a young shooter would uh, uh, make friends with the older guys and uh, and become friends with them, they'll take them under their wing, and they can they can eliminate a lot of grief and a lot of hardship if you try to do it on your own. I've seen so many young kids come to a gun club and they stick to their self and they're out there shooting. And if you try to offer advice to them, you know, sometimes it'll, it'll sink in and sometimes it won't. But if they keep coming back and they make friends, and I've seen this time after time, guys will help them. They'll take them under their wings and uh, they'll really help them along the way. And it takes multiple people, not just one mentor. It takes a crowd of people, a multiple shooters. And you take bits and pieces of what each shooter tells you, and you make your own determination, and you'll get better. And, it, and it's a game like anything else. You've got to practice at it. But that mental focus is the, is the most important thing. When you call for that target, you want to make sure that's the only thing on your mind is you want to see, you want to see that target. Well, that's some very sound advice, especially to newer shooters. And uh, Bob, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get off of here? No, I think that pretty much covers it. I've uh, I've had a long career in trap shooting. Um, I'm. I'm so happy that my dad introduced me to the sport. Um, I never thought I would get this far. And I'll be honest with you, if it wasn't for my wife, Lisa, I probably wouldn't be where I'm at today. She has pushed me into this even deeper. Uh, I come from a family that we only shot local Calcuttas. And it was her idea to go to the bigger shoots and compete at the state shoot and the grand levels. And I'm glad it happened. So I'm very proud of her and uh, I'm a proud, I'm proud what we've done together. I don't think I'd be where I'm at today if it wasn't for her. Well, Bob, we, we appreciate you taking time out of your day to join us on here and talk with us for a little bit. I appreciate you guys. All right, well, it's, it's it's been a pleasure and an honor. Well, same same from us. So uh, thank you, and we'll get it put out in about a week or two, if that's all right with you. That's perfectly fine. I appreciate you guys, and you guys have a good evening. You too. See ya. See you See later. Paul. See you, Nick. Bye bye.